Chapter 1 It was January 14, 1982, another cold and gray morning in the Portland, Oregon suburb of Oak Grove. To most people in this Pacific Northwest metropolis, it was just like any other day, at least as far as the weather was concerned. It was a day with little or no sunshine, conditions of which most area residents had become accustomed. By day's end, however, the weather would take a back seat to yet another brutal murder in the Rose City a wild, gruesome slang that the police believed could only have been committed by a pervert, a sexual sadist who fulfilled his wildest fantasies by carrying out an inhuman act of savagery and indecency. Chapter 9 The complete details of the sordid events that occurred from approximately 9 p.m. on Friday, December 7th, 1984, until very early the following Sunday morning, between a young girl and a violent offender bent on sex and murder will probably never be entirely known. Instead, the complete details will likely remain locked inside the sick, perverted mind of the child killer who stole a young, innocent life, not only from the victim herself, but from those who loved and cared for her dearly. Some of the details are probably better left untold to spare the victim's relatives, as well as the ill at ease from any more shock, pain, and sorrow than is necessary to tell the tale. But here are the sad, shocking, and often revolting facts of the case as they are known, details of which will likely disturb even the most callous types. Chapter 18 The call that night seemed routine enough, and no one doubted that a lone deputy could handle it. The report that evening was about a loud domestic dispute in the nearby hamlet of Jamestown. The deputy, 27-year-old Leslie Rourke, was sent to investigate, and it was hoped to quell it peacefully. It was a clear starry evening, dark and cold, as Deputy Rourke drove through the open pastures and past the rolling hills on his way to a home located three miles south of rural Jamestown, about ten miles northeast of California. He turned on to Highway 87 and, a few minutes later, parked his cruiser in the driveway of a neatly kept one-and-a-half-story farmhouse with gray siding, the scene of the reported dispute. The house overlooked Montanoe Creek. All of the houses on that rural road were spaced far apart, and to get to a neighbor's house, one had to walk or drive down the road a spell. After reporting his arrival to the dispatch center, Deputy Rourke got out of his cruiser and walked cautiously toward the front porch. Before he had time to knock, however, a man came through the door. Believing him to be one of the occupants of the house, Rourke advised the man that he was there to quell a domestic dispute. As the deputy was speaking, without warning, the man pulled a pistol out of his jacket and began firing. Startled and horrified, Rourke shrieked and drew back, helpless to defend himself against the sudden onslaught. In excruciating pain, 
the deputy made a feeble attempt to unholster his weapon. He was unable to move his hand, however, and soon lapsed into unconsciousness. The gunman retreated momentarily into the house, where he grabbed additional firearms and ammunition. Saying little to his family inside, he hurried to his car and sped away. His terrified relatives, in a state of shock, could do little to help the downed lawman on their front porch.